Waiver Wired is presented for the people by Caesars Sportsbook. You bet and you get with Caesars Rewards. Must be 21 or older. Welcome to week seven of the fantasy football season, affectionately known as Bimageddon. We we don't have another Bimageddon until week 13. For now, we've got six teams on by. But in addition to that, Eddie... We have a ton of new injuries. Feels like we start every show this way. I hate to start it this way, but of course, we're going to get to all of that and more. First, I got to check in with you, Eddie. How are your fantasy football teams doing? Amazing. I mean, I, I feel like I'm I'm doing really great in both leagues. I have um, five and one in one of the leagues. Uh, really nice. Six and one playing my brother this week. So that actually means a little bit more. Um, you know, obviously, you know, everyone in the fantasy uh, world has been dealing with, you said, the injuries. And now it's like, which backup running back do I get? Who's going to get used more? Everyone's looking at like snap count percentage. That's just the nature of the game. That's what always happens. In the, and first of all, week seven is crazy how fast it's flying by. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm thrilled with my teams there uh no complaints whatsoever even and i do feel like i'm not sure if you felt this way too but i was just looking across um leagues and just seeing what people are tweeting about i and knowing one of my leagues i have a 12 team league uh only three teams met or exceeded expectations like the the fantasy projections for the week i felt like it was a pretty sour fantasy week um a lot of injuries a lot of the star players not really uh doing what they're supposed to do it's like nine teams under projections one of my league and i was like man it's a tough tough sledding out there but uh, i am thrilled that i'm uh, i'm still winning it's a great feeling when you know some guys pick up the slack of other guys and you have to worry about it. again the best feeling going into the sunday night or the monday night game with what's already a lock uh you could just put your feet up kick back relax no better feeling it is a great feeling i have one team that's six and oh Hello. And I, I logged in this week and I was like, oh, okay, I'm due, like I'm due to lose. And I was the highest scoring team this uh-huh. week, even with like, and I had, and I started Jack Prescott, which is even more amazing. We'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, <laughs> but yeah, if you guys, if you haven't like flipped the page yet, you know, like sometimes in certain apps, like I, I'm aggressive, right? Like as soon as I know kind of what I want, and I've already thought through it and I've already written my waiver wire article, I go on like, Monday night. And I start trying to put in my claims early because I, I want to just get it organized. I have so many teams and like ESPN won't let you. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, you're still locked. I'm like, no, I'm not. The games are over. Come on, man. Move. But um, yeah, stay aggressive if you can get those waiver. Because if you haven't flipped over to week seven yet to look at what it looks like, please, you know, you're not going to like it, but do it now. You're going to have a lot of players on by. Um and you're going to have to plug those holes and you're probably, hopefully you've saved some of your fab because you're going to need to use some of it this week. And what's really interesting this week is there actually are a lot of players that are available. They're not necessarily amazing players, but if you need some warm bodies, there's, there's options. There's options out there, especially at running back, which is something I did not think I would say. Um, let's kick it off with some news for today. Julio Jones has signed with the Philadelphia Eagles. So um, don't do anything about that for your fantasy teams. It means nothing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that came across, you know, we recorded I was like, what? Parlay, like, should we get into that? I'm like, they asked me, I'm like, well, I know from a fantasy perspective, he'll have zero impact. I believe like 55 catches in like the last two seasons and change. He's going to have maybe 10 to 12 catches. If that the, this whole season, uh, it's not worth it. It's just more of a, I believe Quez Watkins went on the IR. They're doing it strictly just for like having warm bodies at receiver. And I think that they, it would be nice for Julio Jones to get a Super Bowl ring. Sure. This is kind of his shot. So I think it's kind of respectful that way. And he can certainly fill a slot. Um, so yeah, there's. I don't think there's any urgency there as to your fantasy team. He's obviously going to be behind uh, Devonta Smith and AJ Brown and Dallas Goddard, and yeah. So no, not to mention their running backs who, who kind of lead the charge there. Justin Fields most likely out with a thumb injury, and I've just seen a really wide range of projections for what that means for Justin Fields. But that kind of leads me, you know, we've we've talked about Justin Fields so much on this podcast, but we're going to do it yet again because I want to kind of loop it in with a Dak Prescott conversation. Because I was thinking this week, Eddie, like I was watching Dak Prescott last night and he actually looked pretty good. 
he was out there. He was scrambling. He was making plays. He looked so much better than he did there versus the 49ers. Justin Fields, we saw him the last two weeks look really, really good. But both coaches for both teams, I don't like them. Like, I don't trust them. I mean, first of all, Mike McCarthy is missing more than a few brain cells. And <laughs> most of them have to do with clock management, I feel like. Sure. But when you have, let's say you're Dak Prescott and you have a coach that decides instead of letting you go for a touchdown, he'd rather wind the clock down to three seconds, throw away that chance and kick a field goal. What kind of a vote of confidence does that give you? And in light of the fact we spoke about this last week, that they tried to change the entire offense to just make it so we didn't make mistakes, not make him so he's better or, or anything like that. Just make it so he doesn't make mistakes. It felt like reinforcement of that, which is sending a message to your quarterback that like, Hey, we don't really trust you. We don't really think you're that good. Justin Fields, the, the coaching staff, again, they weren't letting him use his best option. His best, his legs like, no, we want to force you to become a pocket passer. And this is what you're going to do. Like they're not helping their quarterbacks grow and encouraging them. Like, yeah, sure. We want you to be a better pocket passer, but we'll also occasionally let you do this. So you can have your confidence so you can be strong and, and make your way like and you see, and the, I want to contrast this with, you see someone like Mike McDaniel, right? Everyone was so down on Tua Tagovailoa. No one believed he was good. No one even likes to watch him play. It's awkward to watch him play with his left-handed pass. It looks kind of funny. Tua Tagovailoa is becoming one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And it's because Mike McDaniel made him a mixtape. Mike McDaniel came in and said, I believe in you. I think you're awesome. Here's a reel of all your best plays. If Mike McDaniel were the coach of the Dallas Cowboys, if Mike McDaniel were the coach of Justin Fields, if Mike McDaniel were the coach of, I don't know, maybe Bryce Young, right? Mm -hmm. Would we see a completely different quarterback? I, it's funny you bring this up because we just had this conversation on minus three and Dave was saying how some head coaches, the older head coaches in this era, like kind of refuse to adapt. And like, you know, Jen uh, trying to think like even probably a decade back or so we, the NFL and before then the NFL was kind of locked in. It's like, you had to be a pocket passer, you had to be near six foot five and you had to just stand back there and you had to have a rifle arm and you had to just make your throws. And luckily, and, and especially us in the fantasy world, we've now kind of transitioned to where it's okay. If you have a mobile quarterback, it's okay. If you have a quarterback who's closer to six foot, than six foot five. And right. there are still some kind of dinosaur head coaches who are like, no, I have to change the offense to what I want, not adapt for the player. And we've seen so many quarterbacks careers ruined because they got on a team where the head coach or the offensive coordinator is like, no, 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 we're going to do what I want to do. You have to fit like, you know, square peg in a round hole. And unfortunately, like you're bringing up with Dak, it's one of those situations where instead of just doing like what is best for Dak or what is best for Justin Fields, it's trying to mold them into something they're not. And that's why they're from but when they let them loose like yes Dak may throw some interceptions I he he did have some balls that were a little misplaced even though they won the game the the, the throw to Pollard in the end zone overthrew him a little bit even just like throwaways just missing stuff high I don't know what's going on there but he did enough to win Justin Fields you know we see him when they let the take the reins off him and he has a great game especially when connecting with DJ Moore and uh you know he's had Cole Komet as more of an option lately and then him running the ball is his bread and butter and when they you know retract they pull that back then they become kind of not useless, but they're not what you expect. So that's where the disappointment comes in. And you have to find these head coaches that are doing, you know, the best example of this is like in Detroit, Jared Goff was kind of the butt of jokes for a number of years. They got Absolutely. a good offensive coordinator with Ben Johnson, who's going to be the hot ticket item, you know, in the off season to hire him. And he made a guy that people don't really believe in. Everyone's like, Oh, I remember him with McVay and McVay was telling him what, where to throw the ball. He was telegraphing it before That's the, right. before the snap. And now Jared Goff is like, you know, I'm not going to say MVP, but he's, you know, potentially in the mix, at least for offensive player of the year, something like that, where he's leading the, the, you know, the five. Because Lions. Dan Campbell's out there as his biggest, you know, fan. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's not to say that he's not criticizing them or critiquing them or helping them get better, but they actually give a vote of confidence. And I'll tell you, that is what was wrong with Dak when he was overthrowing and all that, because he's been told that he's going to screw up. 
He's been told he's going to throw an interception. So like, there's that little bit there. And when, when you just let Dak, when he, when he scrambles and then, you know, pass it over to Tony Pollard and Pollard breaks a tackle and runs for 60 yards. Mm -hmm. That's what makes him great. He needs the confidence of that, but they're not giving him even the opportunity for that because they're just telling him, just don't screw up. Just don't screw up. Not, hey, go be great. Don't screw up. Right. So I was actually impressed that he was able to do it because on the other side of the ball, Justin Herbert was overthrowing guys too. It it, it might have been Justin Herbert's worst game as a pro. He's had worse games, but where he is right now with his career and how good this roster is, you could make the argument that was Justin Herbert's worst showing as a professional. I would say that it was fairly obvious that Joshua Palmer is the guy there. If you're, mm-hmm. but you've been holding Quinton Johnston, you probably can't much longer because of bye weeks. Like you mm-hmm. just don't have the luxury. You can drop him. It's Joshua Palmer. He's going to be the guy that steps out. I mean, Quinton Johnston still was operating as the wide receiver three. They just may not really use it or need it. So unfortunately, Quinton is probably a drop, at least for now, except for in Dynasty. Obviously, you're going to keep him there. Um, the, the other, you know, Ricky quarterback is, and we've talked about him a lot on this podcast as well, CJ Stroud. You know that D'Amico Ryans is there talking positively to CJ Stroud, who, by the way, failed his S2 test, right? Mm-hmm. He He's not like, I almost wonder now, He's if you watch any interviews with this kid, I almost wonder if he like uh, put, uh, threw the test just so he wouldn't get drafted by the Panthers. <laughs> I mean, it's if you're a Panthers fan right now, so smart. You have you have to feel so upset. Like you made the move to get the number one overall pick. You take Bryce Young, and he's been uh, somewhat of a disappointment. The team obviously winless, and then reversely, the Texans go and make the huge move. They get not only Stroud but Will Anderson. They're set for the future. And then just look at his numbers. I mean, he like nine touchdowns, interception, uh, over 600 passing yards. Like he's surpassing somebody like um, Jalen Hurts, who's you know one of the first quarterbacks taken. And again, like the biggest thing with him is uh not turning the ball over. I know it was his first interception. He has the record now for most consecutive attempts without throwing an interception. Um, just not turning the ball over for this very, very young, inexperienced Texans team is huge. They have their guy, and he will for sure be a quarterback that everyone will will, will covet the next uh many upcoming drafts. So on my wish list for Justin Fields is just that he I almost hope that he gets traded and he gets traded to a team with a young coach. Uh, that's going to give him a fresh start because I think he's still really talented. And I want to end this narrative that Ohio State quarterbacks aren't good. And I think CJ Stroud is doing that. Stroud did that. I mean, you know, their GM, Ryan Pauls, was at the Notre Dame USC game scouting Caleb Williams, who also had uh, the worst game of his career by far. So what does that tell you? They have the first pick and the second pick because their record, because they have the Panthers picked. And luckily, the Panthers are terrible. So, um, you know, the, the, the sad part is for Justin Fields. And I do agree with you. I do. I do think he will go somewhere else. GMs and head coaches extend their shelf life by drafting a new quarterback. So if they bring in a right. new guy, it's good. That's going to be their guy. They're attached to that new rookie. Most likely Caleb Williams could be a Drake may or a Sanders who knows, but um, you know, so when they, if they bring in Caleb Williams and let's say they go pair him up with Marvin Harrison jr. From Ohio state, the receiver, then they have weapons. They go, look, now we have, two to three years to see how this guy develops. And then Justin Fields will go somewhere else. I do think uh, put in a great circumstance that Justin Fields could um, survive in this league because again, his legs are a huge asset. And we see when the offense kind of lets him do what he does best, he could be very effective. Now I know that TNF game was first the commanders and the defense hasn't been that great, but like he's shown, he's shown me enough that, um, you know, when he is running the ball and then his his arm then becomes secondary, but it opens things up for him. And I That's think right. I'm, and I'm with you. I think that if he moves to a good situation, good old line, a few weapons, uh, a solid running game, I think that he he could be he's never going to be a top five guy, top seven, top 10 guy. But he could be in that like middle of the, the league kind of uh, maybe uh, upper teens uh, at his peak. So I, I definitely think his career is not over yet. I think, uh, you know, he's probably going to miss the next few weeks and you wouldn't really be comfortable starting him because we don't know how he's going to be able to grip the football. And there's a wide range of people saying, oh, no, he has to have torn ligaments. Oh, no, it's no big deal. But he won't be able to grip the football. We saw Dak Prescott have a dislocated thumb last season. He had to have surgery and it did take a while before he could get a good grip on the football. But, you know, commercially also say, but maybe they'll just let him use his legs, which is something we've been wanting. No matter what, you know, even if he goes this weekend, unless you're really desperate, you're not going to want to start him. And I would say the first priority on the waiver wire at quarterback 
is Sam Howell. Now, Sam Howell has actually finished as a top 14 quarterback in five of six weeks this season. Doesn't seem like it. He's not really doing a lot for his fantasy assets. Like those of us who drafted Jahan Dotson are incredibly disappointed. Those who have Terry McLaurin, he has like the largest target share of the commanders. And it's like not even 20%. Curtis Samuel has kind of been the guy that's been it lately, who, by the way, is available on most waiver wires and an excellent pickup this week if you need someone. But Sam Howell is someone that has the rushing upside. And in his last year at UNC, he rushed for like over 850 yards. So he has that mobility. Plus, he has a really big arm. We've seen him pass for over 300 yards this season. So he is probably my first pickup. And then after that, I can't believe I'm going to say this. But again, guys, it's by Mageddon. We've got a lot of injuries. Probably Desmond Ritter. 300 plus passing yard games, two in a row. And he started Kyle Pitts look relevant. And there's some encouragement that they traded for Van Jefferson. Maybe Arthur Smith is going to realize, oh, I have a better offense if people think we can throw it and run it. I don't know, but I'm intrigued. I when well when Kyle Pitts scored, did you the thing that I did where you you took your phone? You're like, oh wait, no, this must be fake. Like, hold on, let me let me find a different a different source. When the AP tweets it out, then I'll believe that it's uh, true. Um, I'm confused by the Falcons here, and I feel like. You know, if you have obviously Bijan, especially in the passing, it will be a factor. And I think if you're somebody who did draft a Kyle Pitts or Drake London, you're a little bit happier because, you know, the move for Van Jefferson was basically saying, all right, we're going to start to throw the ball more. They're at their best when they are running the ball, when they're pounding the rock. And then it's like up to Ritter, hopefully in a short third down scenario. And then plus he has the ability to run as well. So it's like he'll make the easiest play to get the first down when they now switch to this weird. I mean, he threw two of the worst interceptions I've seen this season. Um, And then and then now they want to like start this offense in more of a pass first offense with him to kind of. That's not his bread and butter. He it, it should be a Bijan and Algier led offense, and then Ritter fills in the gaps and makes plays with with his legs if he has to, with his arms if he has to, because they have the weapon. So um, I do like the Ritter ad because of those factors. But it goes back to what he was, you know, two weeks ago. But last week when they're like relying on his arm and his his really bad decision making uh, for a young quarterback, pretty much the anti CJ Stroud. So I would be weary of that. But I, I do agree. There are a lot of there's a lot of an upside there. Uh, I don't almost even say more of an upside with Ritter than with Howell, just because the Giants kind of had the track record uh, of the, the the commanders the last few seasons. And that defensive showing versus Josh Allen was the most shocking thing I've seen this entire NFL season. So um, I, I would say I'd probably lean even Ritter over Howell just because of that. Would you say B. John Robinson has been a bit of a disappointment based on where you drafted him? No rushing touchdowns. So I think it's fair to say. I mean, he's obviously in the receiving game, RB but... 14 on a per game basis. I mean, I'm not saying he's a bust or anything, but you know, he's behind Saquon Barkley on a per game basis who hasn't played that missed, many games, missed, okay. missed games yeah. but behind Andrew Swift, who you could have gotten in the sixth round behind Zach Moss, mm-hmm. where he most are, obviously we can't see all those things coming. But I would say a bit of a disappointment based on where you drafted him. Um, but obviously, totally hold the faith. That. You got to keep starting him every week. When you see week one, when it was Algier heavy, when you see them now at, you know, trading for receivers and letting Ritter throw the ball more, you got to be a little bit concerned with that, especially when you have this head coach who's known for running the ball. And I don't get why they're straying from that. They will be at their best if Bijan is behind center, pounding the rock. Um, I don't, I don't know why they're trying to change their ideology on offense, uh, middle of the season, but, um, yeah, I would, I would be kind of frustrated if I took B. John early. So besides Justin Fields and six teams being on by, we also have question marks about Jimmy Garoppolo. We know that, uh, Anthony Richardson may be done for the season. Mm -hmm. So that's Gardner Minshew now. And We don't know if Trevor Lawrence is going to be okay for Thursday night football. If you have Trevor Lawrence and he goes, are you willing to start him versus a New Orleans Saints defense that has been quite tough? Or would you rather start a Sam Howell or a Desmond Ritter? 
Hmm, that's a tough one. I know he did recording this Tuesday. Um, he did practice Tuesday. And obviously the practice or whatever they do tomorrow will be a, a better indication of what's going to happen Thursday. I, I feel like if this game was a Sunday or definitely a Monday game, he's playing no matter what, there wouldn't sure. be a question. I, I think of the Thursday game, you're a little concerned with that. Um, I think no matter what, this is going to be a heavy Travis Etienne game, maybe a little uh, teaser for our TNF prop. Yeah, later. but good luck. Like the, the Saints haven't allowed more than like, 55 rushing yards into a single rushing back this year. I'm not saying it can't be done. Right, right. But um, I, I think that there, it'll be a more conservative. I, I would not be opposed for the Ritter or the Howell play. Um, if you, if you feel like you're going to get a limited game from uh, Trevor Lawrence, also because if let's just say the Falcons are losing, they'll be in pass. But you always want to hope for those teams that are bad. These quarterbacks, yep. there is the garbage time. Uh, they're they're chasing points. Whereas if the Fal- if the Jaguars take the lead, the Saints haven't been you know great this year, and then just sit on the football, run the clock out. Then that's you kind of run into a bad scenario. But I think just based on what I've read over Twitter for the last few hours, I do feel like Trevor Lawrence will play, and I get it. It's hard to sit. Trevor Lawrence, if you have him for a guy like a Howell or a Raider. So I understand your your thought process there. Uh, I think I probably am. I think I'm sitting in for Sam Howell. I, I don't I, think I, I just I think the matchup is bad and the fact that he has a knee and he's been he's been poor this season and he's been playing well and this, yes. it doesn't show up as well in the fantasy stat sheet, but he hasn't been a good fantasy quarterback. And I'm bumped because he was one of my like breakout candidates for this year. And I still think there's time for that. But it hasn't been good. And I don't like the knee injury. And I don't like the matchup. Okay, everybody, we'll be right back after this quick break. You know, when the conversation turns tampers, I always go with my number one as Caesars. Let's talk about them a little bit, shall we? Tickets to the game, merch, meals at iconic restaurants, stays at Caesars Palace. All this can be yours when you bet with Caesars Sportsbook. Win or lose, every bet earns rewards credits, which you can redeem across the empire. Now, if you haven't started yet, register using this code. Listen up. Omaha full, the word Omaha and the word full. And then you place your first bet up to $1,250. If you win, great. If you keep those winnings, but if you lose, you'll get your stake back as a bonus bet. 21 and over only. Offer valid and must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Massachusetts, Maryland, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. New users and first $10 plus wager only. Must register with eligible promo code. Bet amount of qualifying wager. Returned only if wager is settled as a loss. Maximum bonus bet, $1,250. Bonus bet expires 14 days after receipt. Tier credits and reward credits will be added to account within seven days after qualifying wager settles. See caesars.com slash promos for full terms. Void where prohibited. Know when to stop before you start gambling problem. Arizona call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, Wyoming, Kansas, affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino. Call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Licensed through Horseshoe, Bossier City, and Harris, New Orleans. Massachusetts, call 1-800-327-5050 or visit gambling helpline ma.org michigan call 1-800-270-7117 illinois maryland new jersey tennessee virginia west virginia ohio pennsylvania affiliated with harris philadelphia if you or someone you know has a gambling problem crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER or west virginia 1-800-GAMBLER.net new york call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 Now, let me ask you this. One of the things about bye weeks is people have to drop players. So again, reminder, especially in the middle of this week, at the end of this week, if you happen to not need a lot of players, you're not desperate and you have room, go pick up players that are going to get dropped. Someone is going to drop Jahan Dotson. Someone is going to drop Quentin Johnson. And someone probably already has dropped Daniel Jones. Mm -hmm. I would get Daniel Jones and I would start him this week over Trevor Lawrence. I know, I know that sounds insane, but if he goes and maybe you don't have the option, I'm talking about if Trevor Lawrence doesn't go for sure. The matchup with the commanders is a good one. Mm-hmm. Again, it's let a me if, really if, good one for quarterbacks before anyone starts to judge and say, Oh, I already shut up. You're a Giants fan. I'm saying this as somebody who is so down and so negative about that. I'm just talking about historical stats and what's happened. Jones has played well versus Washington. That's a fact. Uh, 
the offensive line yesterday, uh, yesterday, the other day when they played the Bills, not um, a, not an amazing game, but a Better. much improved game than we've Better. seen. They pulled Justin Pugh off the couch, like you said in the pregame intros. Um, back with the Giants, he played left tackle. Evan Neal quietly has been better um, over the last few games. They will eventually get back Andrew Thomas. They will eventually get uh, back JMS, their center. They took in the second round. And it seems like Darius Slayton's been more of a factor. It seems like Wondell Robinson's been more comfortable with the offense. Um, Darren Waller didn't have the best game versus the Bills, but he's been you know popping up here and there they're trying to use Saquon but he'll only get healthy as the season goes on so I I think there are some positives to putting in Daniel Jones so before you go crazy saying of course I didn't even say that I'm down on them but I, I do understand the the rationale of why you'd play him yeah I'm starting in my two quarterback leagues for sure this week all right let's talk about the San Francisco 49ers as you know it gives me great pleasure that they lost last week I'm sorry to say it but it's true mm-hmm. um but it doesn't give me great pleasure that a lot of their fantasy players who I count on and love in a fantasy way are questionable and it's a Monday night game. So, you know, the biggest news of course is I felt like maybe we jinxed it last week when I was like, no, the number one pick literally in the video, but you know, the, the news is that there's actually optimism. He may even play Monday night. And this puts us as fantasy managers in a major bind because I don't care if Christian McCaffrey is managing an injury, if he's playing on one leg and he has only one eye, I'm starting him. Like, that's Christian McCaffrey. But I just don't know if he's going to be playing at all. It's a game time decision. It's Monday night. Obviously, the, the, the plan is, if you can, to pick up either Eli Mitchell or Jordan Mason, because then you have an option. So if you're the McCaffrey owner, you have to put down your money this week on one of those two. Now here's the problem. Which one? Do you remember how difficult it used to be to start a 49ers running back? Cause we've mm-hmm. all got lulled into this false sense of security of like, Oh, well you just plug and play Christian McCaffrey. And we know that's how the Niners are going to win. And by the way, yeah, it's clear. That's how they win because when they lost Christian McCaffrey on Sunday, they also lost the game, and suddenly Brock Purdy looked human. Which running back you pick, let me give you kind of like this skinny on each of them and let you each make your own decision. Eli Mitchell is going to be a little harder to get. He came back from a knee injury, and he Mm -hmm. played more snaps before Christian McCaffrey left the game than Jordan Mason. But he ended the game with like minus three yards. Mm -hmm. Jordan Mason, after Christian McCaffrey left the game, played the majority of the snaps, had about, what, 27 yards and got the score. And he's kind of an undrafted free agent, doesn't have all the, you know, bells and whistles of Eli Mitchell, who's the higher prospect. So who is it going to be? I don't know. And Kyle Shanahan probably doesn't even know. It might just be the hot hand that day. I would think they would give the preference to Eli Mitchell. But if he doesn't look good, it's going to be Jordan Mason time, and that's just what they're going to do. And if they don't have Debo Samuel, they really will have to use probably both of these guys. If you're in a deep league, your only option is Mason, obviously. Yeah. I, I mean, Mitchell has shown in, in the past when he does get the ball, and this is obviously if McCaffrey's out, if he gets the ball uh, a number of times, he puts up double-digit fantasy points. If he gets like, mm-hmm. I think the stat was like 15 or 16 carries, he puts up minimum 10 fantasy points. But then it stinks when the guy that, that's third behind him scores a touchdown because that puts uncertainty in there. I mean, if you are the 49ers, you are trying to play CMC no matter what. I mean, especially if you have him uh, as a fantasy manager, you have to start him too because he got hurt, but he still scored. Like his touchdown streak is now, what, 15 games uh, dating back to last season. He kept it alive versus a very tough Browns defense. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. I think Eli Mitchell is the uh, is the play. If you could somehow get him, if uh, or you have him rostered, play him, CMC's out. I do want to ask you a question, just a funny question about actually Debo Samuel. He got injured, believe it was the shoulder, and then he comes back on the sideline with like the street clothes on, they kept, they kept cutting to him. They showed him. Does that bother you as a uh, fantasy football manager slash football uh, viewer when a guy's injured and he can't play in the game, but he's on the sidelines training with his teammates. In my head, I'm like, if you are that injured and can't play, I don't really want to see you because if you have him on your roster and you're like, well, why aren't you out there? If you're healthy enough to be standing on the sidelines, I don't know why maybe it's irrational, but it got in my head. I'm like, I want to know what, if you go go to a Broadway play and you open up the playbill, 
And you see, like today at this performance, Kristen Chinnabeth will be played role will be played by the um, mm-hmm. understudy. And then you see Christian Chinnabeth out in her dress, like yakking it up in the audience. You're like, what the? I paid yeah. three hundred dollars for this ticket. What are you doing? I don't want to break character, right? You might she might really be sick. She really couldn't do it. She's sad. Whatever. I don't know. You don't want to break character, and it's the same with fantasy football, right? I don't want to see, you know, the player that I need to be playing, like having a good time. Like, I don't know. It's kind of like, I don't know. I guess maybe you went to Chipotle and ate a bad burrito like AJ Brown, but I'd rather not see you hanging out on your Okay. Okay. I great in great line single eye. That's why we're team waiver wired. I just I saw that and I was like, I and I don't have any uh, shares of Debo, but I saw that I'm like, man, I if it's a serious injury, you are not like, you know, when Aaron Rodgers tore his Achilles, they carted him off the field and that was it. And he's getting x-rays and this and that. He's not come back on the sideline, like, you know, being held up by two O-line. We're like, all right, guys, and cheering and going, ow, 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 my leg. Like, he's out of there. I, I, if you're actually that injured, because to me, that's like oh, the old football saying. If you're on this, are you hurt or are you injured? And uh, to me, if I see you on the sideline, I'm like, eh. Even in a major league baseball game, like when you're done with your start, you usually don't even like sit out there and watch the rest of the game. Like right. Justin Verlin, you just go to the locker room. Like you're done. You just pray they get it done. You relax, you chill out and let them continue their game without you around. Cause you did your part, you know, exactly. like I, I don't want to see you anymore. I don't want to see, Oh no, Dusty shouldn't have pulled him. He's sitting right there in the dugout. I just want done. That's how I feel. So yeah, I'm with you. Okay. Um, just that ask. Debo Samuel owners, man, what a what a roller coaster to roster Debo Samuel. It's like he can be so great, oh, yeah. um, but he can also not. Uh, another surprise running back that you may need to fill in for is Kyron Williams, who has been such a beast this year. He's like the RB4 on the season. We've talked about him a lot again on this pod. But Ronnie Rivers also PCL injury. We know Kyron Williams is going to be out for at least a week, maybe, maybe more. Um, not a major, major injury. So that's good news for those who have him. But Zach Evans becomes the primary target here. And uh, just so you have a warm body in that role. So Zach Evans is available in most leagues. And that's mm-hmm. what's that is what's good. As I was saying, there are running backs available this week. Jordan Mason, like again, not awesome, but it's somebody. Mm-hmm. Savan Ahmed. Uh, Ahmed, I think is how he says it actually. Obviously, it's clearly Mostert's backfield. Maybe Jeff Wilson Jr. is out uh, there next week. But there are people that you could try that do have the possibility of putting up some fantasy points for sure. you. So Zach Evans is another one of those. Yeah, I, I could weigh in on that because I'm uh, unfortunately I have Kyron Williams on one of my teams. He gets injured and Sean McVay comes out with his comments saying that he's probably going to miss the game. This, of course, happens, uh, you know, earlier in the day. So, you know, if you're playing in a league like me where I'm a West Coast or you know, a lot of East Coast friends, I had somebody go and snipe and pick up Zach Evans before I could uh, handcuff him. Um, I know that if you're following the, the you know, the, the news wire here, the Rams did activate Royce Freeman uh, yeah. from the practice squad to the to the depth, active depth chart. I think Zach Evans Pretty is desperate. for sure the play. Um, I guess if you're going to throw uh, a Hail Mary, so to speak, and start Royce Freeman, you have to hope that like Evans gets shut down with like his first couple carries and then like Freeman breaks one or they he vultures a touchdown or something. But it seems like Evans is the guy. And uh, for those who feel my pain of being a Pacific uh, Coast time zone guy versus a East Coast and you lost down the waiver claim, uh, that's what happens. So, yeah, that's uh, Zach Evans seems like. And, you know, also credit to the the uh, Rams offense. Like they're, they're blocking. They're doing a great job. Great game on the ground uh, for Kyron Williams over 120 yards uh just unfortunate ankle injury but yeah you said it's not going to be serious so hopefully he's back pretty soon yeah i i've got you won't believe it, eddie i got a lot more running backs i like this week now i know some of these are more rastered than others Rashawn johnson if he is available you go get him he may have been dropped because everybody had to start donta foreman but guess what folks donta foreman ain't it he ain't it Rashawn Johnson is the guy and Rashawn Johnson is someone we all would have heard a lot more about if you weren't running behind a little talked about running back at UT named Bijan Robinson. Uh Okay. He has been averaging about 4.9 yards per carry this year. He was moving into a more even split with Khalil Herbert. And before Khalil Herbert got injured, the only reason he didn't have more time is just because Khalil Herbert was doing so well. He was playing so well. So Rashawn becomes the clear target and he's got the Raiders this week. So it's a really good matchup for him to come back from the concussion. So he's probably actually my favorite claim. It's just that he is probably rostered in 50% of leagues already. 
So you may not be able to find him. I also like Kareem Hunt, who's getting more and more playing time and could start to eat into Jerome Ford's time. I like Devin Singletary because unfortunately, Damian Pierce has just not been good, even with the offensive line getting healthier. Of course, Devin Singletary isn't going to help you this week. He's on by, but I'm talking about for future, just keeping your eyes on the future. Chuba Hubbard had a better game than Miles Sanders has had all year. Surely they noticed this. What will be most interesting, of course, is the announcement that Frank Reich is not calling the plays anymore. He's turning over duties to the offensive coordinator. So, Eddie, in general, does this give you any hope for Miles Sanders and or DJ Chark, Jonathan Mingo, or anyone other than Adam Thielen? Yeah, I mean, uh, I have Thielen on a team, and he's just a, a points machine. With the running backs with the Panthers, like this is it sounds unfortunate, but for the, I feel like the rest of the season, like you're really going to have to get your points from the running back in the first half because I don't see the Panthers. I don't think they're going to go winless, but they're going to be close to winless, and I feel like they're just going to have to get those touchdowns early when the game is still relatively close because as we've seen with them, most games, most, not all, um, they've obviously been, you know, uh, losing by a lot, which means they have to pass the ball more. Um, and they're going to, you know, they're just going to take their licks with the young quarterback. So I, I do think like, if you want to go get Chuba Hubbard, I know that he's available in uh, a fair amount of leagues. I, it's just like, he should be their lead guy, but it's just going to be a very, very tough situation to, to make an impact there. But, um, yeah, I feel like, you know, with feeling out, he's got to find a new target somehow. So I know he's been hitting the tight ends, uh, Bryce young, but I, I, I just feel like, you know, I don't know. I, I I don't love a lot about what's going on there right now. And I feel like Frank Reich's in a kind of a weird situation because if you want to win games, you probably got to put in Andy Dalton, but there's just no future with Andy Dalton, the quarterback, because right. you took Bryce Young first. So it's right. pretty, uh, pretty bad times uh, in Carolina outside of feeling. Yeah. And of course, Chubba Hubbard's on a bye this week. So this is for right. Next future. Week. Other running backs to consider uh, just to rattle through them, Tajay Spears, Kendry Miller, Justice Hill, and Keaton Mitchell. Okay, so if you're out there looking, you're digging around, you got Joe Mixon on by, you got Tony Pollard on by, these are some options for you. Okay, wide receivers. Um, I like Rasheed Rice this week. Now, none of, again, none of the Chiefs receivers have been amazing, but Rasheed Rice does have the most targets, the most touchdowns, the most receiving yards among the wide receivers. Of course, everybody's after Travis Kelsey, but most importantly, they're facing the chargers this week. And it's just a really good matchup. And rice is available in about 65% of leagues. Mm -hmm. So if you need someone that just might go off and have a big week for you, you need a receiver. I think Rishi rice is someone that you could pick up this week and may end up having value down the stretch that you could hold. Yeah, I mean, he's had double-digit uh, fantasy points, I believe, in like three of the last four of his games, and he's been seeing more targets too, which is kind of the big thing um, with the Chiefs. You never really know which receiver it's going to be, so seeing that he's getting five or more targets um, in those games is actually a really, really good sign, and um, I believe the Chargers defense has not been great, especially the receivers, so I think that is a, a good pickup. And maybe Yeah, they have been the worst in the league versus wide receivers. Right, right. So, I mean, finally, we got Brandon Cooks a touchdown last night. Yeah. Finally, a CD lamb had over a hundred yeah. yards. So there we go. And we know how struggling the Dallas offense has been. So that's how bad the chargers secondary is. Um, other wide receivers, Josh Downs, who had the touchdown this week. Uh, he seems to get a lot more targets when Gardner Minshew is around. So we like Josh Downs, uh, Kendrick Bourne, who lists, listen, nobody gets excited about the Patriots offense. But in the two games where they scored the most points, they scored 20 and 21. In both of those games, Kendrick Bourne was a top fantasy option. So if they can figure out, get Kendrick Bourne more involved or how to use Kendrick Bourne, then maybe we all win here. So he's someone you can consider. I actually started him in one of my leagues and he was the top scoring receiver I had on that team. No, 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 that's not true. CeeDee Lamb played Monday night. So he was the second. Second, he outscored Devontae Adams, Hollywood Brown, you know, so he is a real option. Michael yeah. Wilson for the Arizona Cardinals. And it's a good matchup this week with the Seahawks. Is somebody yeah. I really I, like. I mean, uh, I I have born a roster, didn't start him, but 11 targets is none to shake a stick at, especially with how bad the Patriots offense is. The ball has got to go somewhere, right? And they should be yeah. most in passing um, situations. And I, I know I feel like, 
Yeah, the, uh, Michael Wilson, uh, he's almost double-digit points in the last three or four of his games, and he's uh, had one big, big explosion with over 20 points. And then plus, like, the Seahawks events, people think are great, but they have been allowing, uh, the, like, a ton of fantasy points to receivers as well. Um, right. So I, I do think it's a good matchup uh, for him. So I, I'm fine with either of those guys. I, I, I took Bourne for a reason. I, I guess I believe in the Patriots more than uh, I thought I probably should have, but uh, I think you can't go wrong with either of those guys. Wandale Robinson, I really like this week for the same reasons I like Daniel Jones, because he is clearly the wide receiver one there. He's yeah. second only to Darren Waller, but, you know, he's also played two fewer games than Run, Darren run, Waller. Running a lot of um, of his routes out of the slot, um, just so fast. His, all, he's fully recovered from that he's knee great. injury. He's just the like quick him. titch guy. Uh, he's just, it's he's a perfect guy to have in that offense. Again, if the offensive line could just stay stable and you get a healthy quarterback back there, um, yeah, I, I think he'll be a, a fantasy, a targeted fantasy receiver for, for years to come. I, I think he's a real place in this league. And then Curtis Samuel, who we mentioned earlier, um, who just seems to be, he he now has this, like I said, the second highest target share on the team. He also has a little bit of rushing ability and can be used creatively. So the, you know, the thing about that commander's team is just, it's a positive for Sam Howell and that he's able to hit so many targets. He actually has like the ninth most passing yards. He has the most dropbacks in the league. Hmm. Sam Howell has dropped back more than any other quarterback. Now they're not going to continue they can't continue at this pace, but you know, if they're going to be in negative game scripts, there's still going to be a lot of passing and yeah, he's just spreading it out so much that it's not good for fantasy. Whereas there are these other teams that have clear, you know, target, like, you know, CD lamb is always going to get targets. You used to know Devonta and I kind of like rooting for Jimmy Gravelo to be out. Cause it seems like every other quarterback is figured out to target Devonta Adams. But anyway, I know it was the Patriots and they needed to take him out, but Belichick did Belichick did everything and he possibly could yeah. to make sure that Devontae Adams was not a factor in that shouldn't, game. Shouldn't be a surprise, but yeah. uh tight ends, it's a disgusting position. Uh look and see if Dalton Kincaid was dropped. A lot of people have dropped him. Now's a good time to pick him up. Luke Musgrave is a good matchup this week. Uh it is the Broncos. Hello. Even Jordan Love looks like a good start this week. Um, but I want to talk about Michael Mayer for the Raiders. Who has had nine touch? Uh, sorry, nine targets across the past two games. Led the team in receiving yards mm-hmm. this week, and the Chicago Bears have allowed the seventh most receiving yards and an eighty-three point three percent catch rate to opposing tight ends this year. So he's a start for this week and potentially moving forward. And I know you and I talked about this, Eddie, but I'm done with this whole rookie tight ends can't be good. And I know that Kyle Pitts kind of like really seem to solidify that narrative. But as we've said over and over again, Sam Laporta is going to bust it. And -hmm. we've got Dalton Kincaid. We've got Luke Musgrave. We've got a Michael Mayer, all of these guys with the potential to still finish at the top of the class. Uh, Without a doubt. I mean, I I do. I really think this is the time that we're going to see Mayer explode. I mean, they took him in the second round, a high second round pick should have been a first round pick. This guy could block. That's why he was in a lot of 11 personnel. And we're just talking about it. If Devontae Adams is kind of, uh, you know, forced out of the game because defenses are putting three guys on him. The next option in my mind that makes the most sense is going to Mayer, going to your safety blanket, especially if Jimmy G's banged up and the quarterback is kind of, uh, you know, fresh in the, you know, with the offense. Just fine, Mayor. Big body target. They call him Baby Gronk for a reason. I think he's going to have a you know seventy five yards too for a tight end is great, and I, I I see him consistently being around that like five six catch mark uh, for all these games going forward too. I think he's be a real vital piece for that that uh, Raiders offense. By the way, is Devonte Adams just the toughest, most awesome sob ever? I mean, like you can go out there, like he's got like a banged up shoulder. He comes mm-hmm. back to the game that he goes and tests for concussion, runs back out with his banged up shoulder. He's not even really getting involved. He's just, he, I just, I love him. I don't yeah. care even if he doesn't have a great week now and then, because he's the kind of player that's not going to put on his street clothes and stand on the sidelines. He's going to keep his uniform on and run back out there no matter if he's dying. Yeah. I feel like every time you, you put, you know, Devonte Adams in as your starter, uh, if you're playing whatever league you're playing and it always has like the P or the Q or something next to him. Like he's always banged up. Like, there's always like an asterisk, like, yep, it's a shoulder, it's a foot, it's whatever. Uh, and you put him in. I mean, I know there's different, there's like the Tyreek Hill type of receivers that are the burners and they're hard to cover, but I really do think that, 
he might be the hardest guy to cover one-on-one just because of his physicality, his size, um, his route running, everything about him. He's like the perfect receiver and he's hard to tackle, um, which is kind of why he he gains all those injuries because he's not afraid to lower his shoulder and get those extra yards. So, I mean, I, I love Devontae Adams. I have him on a uh, team this year and I just hope that he gets fully injured. And I think Belichick, again, he just sold out to kind of stop Devontae Adams, um, which again, will open things up for Mayer. But I, I do think that Adams will get back on the, the scoreboard uh, many more times the season uh, when right so he's he's a phenomenal player i love him i have him on a team on the same team i have cd lamb and jonathan taylor and that team god help it if it gets healthy down the stretch i think it's going to be a winner i hope so fingers crossed four and two now though this week because justin field screwed me hey above 500 that's all that matters that's good (laughs) that's play i mean it's not his fault he got injured but still I was so excited too. Um, all right, let's talk about Thursday night football because I think we ran through all the waiver wire options. Mm-hmm. Um, Thursday night football, it's kind of hard. It's kind of hard to um, pick a lot for it because we're just still kind of waiting to hear on Trevor Lawrence. And even when you go to look at the player prop market, it's not really great. It's kind of thin, but I do have one, maybe two plays I like. Uh, Eddie, do you have a play you like? I do. Uh, I kind of teased him before. I know it's going to be tough. I think it's actually better if Trevor Lawrence is in for this prop. So I, I could say if you don't want to take it, it's fine. But the over six, three and a half rush yards, minus 115, like you said, Gen 2, tough Saints defense. But I do think this ETN prop is a little bit easier as anytime touchdowns plus 118 for a Travis ETN. I do. He scored, I think, like five times already this year. I think yeah. he'll be able to do that. So, um, but the prop, if you want to go the other direction, because you're afraid of the T law injury, totally understand that a guy who's been very, very consistent this season has had uh, a number of monster games. And one of the emerging receivers, I think in this league is Chris Olave um, over 16 and a half receiving yards minus 117. Uh, he's gone over that mark, I believe four times this year, um, a few games over a hundred yards too. And it's basically the story on him is like, if he gets like six catches or above, he's always going to have a monster game, especially in terms of, yardage um he's just so good he's so consistent a great young receiver again um man ohio state i mean we talk about may not turn out quarterbacks who uh who uh, succeed in the nfl but receivers definitely do and uh he's really a special player down there in new orleans so a little bit more i want to add on about travis Etienne. travis Etienne actually the rb5 on a per game basis for fantasy this year he has been really good and do you remember in the offseason how the narrative was oh but he doesn't score touchdowns Yep. Yeah, he has mm-hmm. five touchdowns in six games. So I like that call. I like that you're getting plus money for that, especially with yeah. Lawrence banged up. They're not going to push him through for any tush pushes, I hope. By the way, you got to push real hard on the tush. You got to push <laughs> real hard. And if you got a bigger tush, you got to, sorry, Dak, maybe Dak's got too much junk in the trunk. He, he is a load. I mean, Dak, people, like, he is. It's He's one a of those- big guy. It's not like you can just like easily push Dak Prescott. I think when we assume of like running quarterbacks, you always think of like, you know, maybe like the Michael Vick, who was like close to the six foot. Dak is like six, four, six, 235 five or something. Yeah. yeah I and mean, he's huge. big. Yeah. He's a thick guy. Like, I'm not sure that that's the time, but you know, Mike McCarthy, you know, doing that on fourth and one made so much sense instead of kicking. That made so much sense, dude. That made so much sense. I'm so glad you did that instead of going for it with eight seconds and then kicking the thing that that was a much better decision. Way to go, Mike. I hate Mike McCarthy. I, I have no business of making jokes about any <laughs> NFC East teams because of my team's terrible, but I feel like the one, the Dallas Cowboys, if they played the Chargers every week, they would actually go undefeated because that's the only other coach in the league to out Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy is probably Brandon Staley. Uh, uh, potentially um, Josh McDaniel. Oh, that's a good one. I mean, he's definitely, yeah. definitely close too. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, the three of those. Really. It just feels. I, I think at least with the Chargers versus the Raiders, like the Chargers have so much talent. Like their roster is full of guys. You're like, oh, oh wow, God, oh wow, stacked. oh wow, all pro, all pro, Pro Bowler. Oh. Um, and they just can't put it together. It's it's sad. Or at least the the Cowboys, you know, at least make the playoffs and sometimes win a game or two and whatever. So, um, yeah, again, Mike McCarthy makes a lot of bonehead moves, but I mean, geez, at least you don't root for the the, the Chargers. So here are my two plots for Thursday night football. I'm with you on Chris Olave, mm-hmm. but the way I'm going is uh, longest reception over 23 and a half. He's done that in four of six this year. And that's just kind of the way he's used with the deep ball. And I think Derek Carr is going to need the deep ball because I think it's going to be a low scoring close game. And there's going to be a point where he's going to have to unleash one. Um, so that's where I'm going. I'm going with that. And then the other prop, and I actually do really like this prop 
is for Alvin Kamara. Now I'm waiting on a catch prop. What I really, really want is a catch prop, but it, there's no market for it yet at Caesars. But what they do have is Alvin Kamara over 29 and a half receiving yards. It's minus 125, not great odds, but that's because it's going to happen, guys. Mm-hmm. Kamara has done this in two of three games played this season, and the Jaguars have allowed the third most catches to opposing running backs. They've allowed 39. Meanwhile, Alvin Kamara is averaging more than eight targets per game. That is far and away the most at the running back position. So, you know, if they're allowing 40 yards per game, which they are, and about, you know, then they've allowed 39 catches to the position, just do the math here. Kamara's going to do this. He's going to go over 29 and a half receiving yards, especially with some pressure being applied and Derek Carr needing to, to check down a little bit. So that's where I'm going. I like the catch. I'm waiting for a catch prop. Like I'm hoping like it's a nice, low conservative Three and a half, four and a half, probably won't get that lucky. But that one you definitely got to smash. So again, kind of early for player preps right now because we're waiting on uh, Trevor Lawrence, mm-hmm. but that's where I'm leaning. Yep. And then uh, I, I don't think I gave him my score if it matters. I guess with the Jaguars getting a point, um, I the line didn't move from the Jaguars getting three to one. I think that basically means that Vegas knows the Trevor Lawrence practice, which means he probably will play. Uh, I think the Jaguars need this game, even though it's on the road versus a kind of tough opponent. But I am going to side with the Jaguars here. I think Trevor Lawrence got it. He has to show up big and they have to keep, you know, their first pay, uh, first place, uh, you know, streak in the AFC South going on here. So I'm going to side with the Jags in this one. Guys, I just remembered that I forgot to mention about David Montgomery. So sorry. David Montgomery will be out for a couple of weeks. David Montgomery, who has been phenomenal for you, another late round pick. Uh, Jameer Gibbs is expected to be back. And so he will take, hopefully, the bulk of the work for those of you that drafted Gibbs. But Craig Reynolds does become an option, um, especially if Gibbs is limited because he has been out with that hammy and just injury so sorry about that guys craig reynolds add that to the list i picked him up um because of my injury to kyron williams he was my uh handcuff so to speak so i couldn't get evans and just like you said if if gibbs wasn't really being used uh when when he was healthy so i i just feel like there's no reason to expect him to have a humongous game coming off of an injury um i i still don't understand that's the one flaw i have with the lions is like they're not using the guy they took in the first round right uh if they did if they had better first round picks I feel like this team could be a lot better than what they are. And they're already five and one, but that's just me being critical. I feel you. I feel you. The Detroit Lions are five and one. And it's, it's so beautiful because so are the Eagles and the Niners. And it's beautiful. I'm so glad they got upset this week. It was time. Um, and it felt like it just evened things out for everybody. I think the Eagles are a little bit of pretenders, to be honest. I don't think they're as tight. good as they were last year. A lot of games are tight. Hurts has been sloppy with the football. I mean, yeah, that's not that's not crazy to say. So. We'll see. I'm not saying the Cowboys are great, but I'm just saying it's interesting that this could be the Lions year. You never know. Oh, yeah, I I think. And it's also funny, too, because everyone just expected the AFC with the the more dominant teams. The NFC is kind of the afterthought. And it seems like the the teams that people kind of think are the best teams are in the NFC now. It's true. And, and, you know, it's interesting. The Jets being three and three. Do you think we're going to get Aaron Rodgers? I do. I, I, I mean, there was a, a report today that he said somebody asked him uh, or met have been on McAfee. Are you going to be back by December? And he says that the goal is before then he'll, he's going to try to jog soon. My actual prediction is that he will come back this season, but he's coming back at like 65 or 70%. Yeah. And right. uh, un- unfortunately I think that maybe I, I think even just not even getting injured again, just playing on this injury, not fully healed. I'm not, I'm not a person that's a doctor or have ever had an Achilles tendon issue, but I just feel like playing on it, not fully healed may kind of shorten his career in the back end. So I in feel the like long, in, the, in the long run. Yeah. yeah. So, I I, but, but I, you know, he, again, he's not, he, maybe he's not worried about playing until he's 45, like a Tom Brady, he's going, well, I'm this age now, this Jets team, nobody thought would be 500 and they're playing great ball on defense. They're winning that game without Sauce Gardner. Um, Brees Hall is uh, an, an awesome asset in the team. And I, I just think he's like, I got to get back. If he gets back, seeing how the AFC is, the Bills are shaky and you're seeing the Bengals are shaky. There's so many teams that are like the, the, te- the teams you thought you were going to be there are not performing well. He's like, we could get in the playoffs and make some noise. So I don't really fault him whatsoever for wanting to come back. I don't either. Okay, everybody, we'll be right back after this quick break. All right, let's quickly, I think we have one or two, let's just grab one or two listener questions and then we'll we'll wrap it up uh, sure. for today. Because as usual, <laughs> time flies when you're having fun. 
I mean, that fun and too many injuries that we jinx in our, mm-hmm. uh, our, our social videos. Uh, first of all, this one's a comment, but, uh, Tom Davis, or is there such thing as a fantasy officiating crew? Tom, if you yeah, have great. some fantasy, uh, if you had some mess up in your league or some league drama, please tweet it. Let us know. Uh, I, I can tell you that it. NFL like control room <laughs> that they went to for like the calls looks basically like not as cool Terrible. as my office. So I, I could probably do it for like fantasy league. The worst version of a man cave. Um, yes, it basically we have- looks like, you know, me right here. I got my computer and like, like how much neater mine is. That, and I've got it, microphones and stuff. I can do it. Way neater yep. than theirs. Um, so we have two questions about dynasty leagues that we don't really get into that much. So I think it's a good time to, to bring this up. Uh, the first question is from Kyle Desi asking, he's in a dynasty league and he's rebuilding. So start your team struggling this year, which running back or receivers can I add this year to mainly help for next season? So uh, we mentioned a couple in this episode and and maybe they're already gone, but Michael Wilson is among my favorites because I think that the Cardinals, I think we don't talk enough about how good of a job Michael Gannon's doing and how this coaching staff seems to be pretty good. They're being competitive with Joshua Dobbs. They may still get Kyler Murray back. I mean, who knows what's going to go on there, but Michael Wilson is, is heavily involved in that offense. And it's very interesting to me. Marvin Mims, obviously, especially if they tear down the Broncos, he has the chance mm. to really shine next season. Um, if we're going a lot deeper than that, then of course you could look at like a Ronnie rivers. Uh, and as far as a lot deeper than that, that's not really my expertise. Unfortunately, I have to say maybe Eddie's more because he's watched a lot more college football than I have. Um, but for this season, I would say those three guys are guys that I would consider targeting Rashawn Johnson, but he's must be already rostered. Yeah, and I mean, I know he said running back or receiver, but I feel like the theme, you want younger players for, like, we've been talking about these tight ends. Like, I feel like May or some of those guys, Musgrave, yeah. a lot of those guys Musgrave. we mentioned, like, go get one of those younger tight ends if you don't have them already. Mm-hmm. That's that's going to be um, definitely a, a great bright spot for your team. And then the, the last question we have, another Dynasty League question, but a little bit different. This is from uh, Roddy Elliott. What's the best strategy for building a Dynasty Superflex team? Yeah. I mean, you really got to have those quarterbacks, right? So obviously if you can get two young stud quarterbacks, that's awesome. But I do kind of believe in also having like a veteran, a veteran available that you can plug in at all times. Because even when like, like those who gambled on Bryce Young, they're still waiting a couple of years. It takes a long time for those young quarterbacks to, to flourish. So I like the idea of even if you have to have someone like a Jared Goff or Kirk Cousins there just to kind of help you through those dark times as your young quarterbacks. And then in a couple of years, you may have a CJ Stroud and a, um, I don't know who's really good right now. Nobody Uh, that's young. Trevor Lawrence is even fresh, but Trevor Lawrence next year and CJ Stroud next year might be a good duo. I'm still pretty, I'm still pretty high on, on Jordan Love. Jordan Love has showed me a lot in a couple of games this year that I think going forward, he'll be, um, look how long you would have had to hold Jordan Love for a very long time for him to be relevant. That's the tricky thing. Whereas a running back and a wide receiver, of course, can kind of come into it right away. If they're in the right situation, wide receiver usually takes like a year, Mm -hmm. but, um, the running backs right away. So I think that's the thing, like the quarterbacks you have to exercise more patience with and the running backs, you're going to want a little bit more of an immediate result from. Um, This is a great time to talk about dynasty because some of you are looking at your records and you're like, after this week, for instance, or you're looking at this week, feeling really down about the fact you have no players to play. And you're like, you know what, if I'm in dynasty, maybe the thing to do is tank, make some trades Mm -hmm. and just get capital for the future seasons. And that's an absolutely valid way to play. It's a valid way to play in a keeper league too. But I do want to say it's not over yet. If you're one in five, you still have a chance to go on a long run. Luck can fall a lot of different ways. So do not give up. Keep listening to Waiver Wired every week, every Tuesday. We did really well on our picks this week, Eddie. We did. We did. I don't want to brag on us, but that's a lie. I do. I want to brag on us. Um, we got 19 picks between the two of us. Yep. You went 10 and four. I went nine and five. If it wasn't Hello, that damn back, one week for me, I would have been right in the mix for the top. You are. Um, yeah. I don't we're right like the board it. for this week, though. Have you looked at it already? I, I have not. I try to stay mm-hmm. away because the lines have been moving. So I probably would start doing my research maybe tonight, maybe early tomorrow morning. Um, I felt like last week when I made my picks, 
I think it was the quickest I've ever made picks. And I'm like, I'm seeing it really well. And I was right. But sometimes when you do that, it's a scary thing where you're like, right. I it know. Too well and it goes I'm usually opposite. wrong when I do. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, it's so easy. Oh, mm-hmm. three and 10. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I'm going to address this because it's on the show sheet, but I did save it to the end. Um, yeah. The Astros are down two to nothing in the ALCS. And I'll be honest, I'm not surprised, uh, obviously disappointed, especially because the first game, they really had a chance to win it. They just could not put up the offense. And the Texas Rangers bullpen has been surprisingly good. I'm still waiting for them to implode, as I know they will. It was nice to see Jordan take Araldis Chapman yard, like a hit a huge bomb yesterday, but still finished one run short, 5-4. Um, I really think the Rangers are the hotter team right now. They've been very streaky all year, but their offense is really hard to beat. And if their pitching can stay intact, um, they're going to win this. And uh, and they deserve it if they do. They really do. And I'm not surprised they won versus Framber. It's so funny. I, I can tell people that don't watch Astros baseball because they're like, what the heck happened to Framber Valdez? Framber Valdez has sucked all year. He had like a no-hitter. That was great. But other than that, he has sucked all year. You know why? Freaking pitch clock. But that's another podcast and another thing. And like the same thing happened with Alec Manoa and there's lots and there's more injury, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's great for the game though. So maybe we have to sacrifice a few pitchers. I don't know. But the fact is, uh, Framber Valdez is giving up a ton of contact and it used to be ground ball contact that was easy to get out, but now it's not. Um, And a lot of times uh, baseballs are leaving the yard. And it's not good. So I uh, wasn't surprised. Took the over on the total there. I hope you all did too. Um, and I won't talk any more baseball. Uh, probably by the time we're here next Tuesday, this will all be over. I will cry my sad tear and then comfort with myself that I've been to two winning World Series and say it's all okay. Well, if there's a team that can make a you know a quick turnaround and come back, I think it is probably it is, Yeah, that's true. I think I, yeah. that's why I'm and they're so better on sold, the road. Sold. I'm not sold in the range. Like they haven't been Close there, done games. that yet. Um, and it does also sting for me as a Yankees fan to see Jordan Montgomery pitch well for a team that eh, we just wanted to give up. Uh, but I, I, I'm, I think I'm also contractually obligated to ask you this question because I think every other person on this podcast network has weighed in on this. But okay. the, the 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 playoff format in Major League Baseball, if right. I mean. If I named you commissioner right now, would you keep it the format the way it is, or would you reverse it to just all seven game series? All seven game series? That's what uh, a lot of people. That's what no. Toby and Dave and no Sarah effing all way, for. no really? way. Okay. Come on, no. Okay. Um, you mean? Do you mean go? All seven game series. When was the last time that I, happened? I'm telling you, I'm just, I'm just saying they. No, if you want to ask me, do you them. think we should go down to one wild card playoff game? Should we eliminate the second wild card team? All those are valid questions. Okay. Asking me if I want to go to all seven game series. That's just a weird okay. question. And no, why would you do that? They felt that it's just you, you have a team that it they should all be a full series because some team just, you know, you the the examples were like thinking it back to like, you know, the the Red Sox and, and Yankees and, you know, the Red Sox are down three, uh, three, nothing. And they come back and win that. It's like you're. Yeah, that was those, fun. I actually loved that series. You're, that yeah, was awesome. That's true. Yeah, it was great. That was yeah. so, so great for me. But they're saying you're just you're cutting short the ability for teams to make a comeback. And like these hotter teams that had time off now have to wait even longer. It's well, just and like, so that under that argument i understand but that is a question about are we are we going to allow these buys because we allowed in the second wild card team and then we have a longer thing because we have a three game mm-hmm. wild card playoff instead of a one game wild card playoff mm-hmm. so that that i understand i understand that argument but going back to seven games for ever i mean it's seven games for the for the championship series and it's seven games for the world series i think that's enough you want seven games for the alds i don't i don't think so i don't think that's necessary or what's going to fix it. I think the problem is with, is it good in a game like baseball is an advantage to give someone a buy in football. It's clearly an advantage. Your body's so beat up. You're so tired, like mm-hmm. give them a rest and how they plan the bye weeks. But for baseball, it's a game of momentum and they play every day. They play 162 games in the regular season. So giving them more than like a day off here and there can mess up their rhythm. And so giving the teams that perform so well a buy, that seems almost like you're giving them a disadvantage. And that's what happened apparently, supposedly with the Braves and the Dodgers. And, you know, so maybe that happens. But then you have the Astros who... 
use that time to get healthy and it was an advantage for them and it, it did give them a boost until now potentially so anyway um i won't be grumpy anymore you're allowed you're you're a fan that's what we that's the best thing about this network is when we're all true fans and uh again sorry for the diversion uh fantasy football is i'm like uh, we, seven game series that no that's the, not the problem that's the, the problem question. is the problem is trying to get too many teams into the playoffs, assuming that that means people will be more interested in watch the playoffs. When all that happens is you end up with minor market teams in the playoffs that nobody wants to watch because I love you very much, Houston Texans, but nobody wants to watch Rangers versus Houston uh, Astros except yeah. for people that live, except for, did you hear I went Texan right there? Except for, <laughs> except for y'all that live <laughs> in the Lone Star State. That's it. You guys are the only ones that want to see it. So, um, yeah. And then you don't have the Dodgers and you don't have the Yankees and you don't have the Braves. Mm -hmm. And and so it ends up being kind of, yeah, like who cares? And now we've got a big womp womp. Who cares if it's the Phillies and the Rangers? Like who are you going to root for? Do you have any investment in Phillies and Rangers? Because for uh, some reason we all hate Brace Harper because he looks like he invented fire or something. It's like, I, I don't know. It's just, you just, I don't like him, but I should like him. He's a great baseball player. Yeah. Yes, I mean, uh, I hate the Yankees for Brian Cashman, twenty eighteen, saying he had no yeah. interest in him. And no, he he can't play first base, and they have too many <laughs> outfielders, and all those outfielders are gone, and he's playing first base now. So uh, I am pro Bryce uh, Bryce Harper, but probably not pro Phillies, um, just because of the city they play in. So, but um, anyway, that was a great. If you guys turned this podcast off ten minutes ago. Congratulations, and I promise to keep my baseball talk to the end, but I won't promise to shut up altogether. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was gold. That was great. I love Jen versus the rest of the EP network who's waited on the on the baseball playoff format. So that's great. Oh, I love the EP network. We have so much fun. We appreciate you guys joining us each and every week. We will see you back next Tuesday. Remember, it's by Mageddon, but it ain't the end of the world. Have some fun. Take some shots. We'll see you back next week when you are 7 and 0. Thank you.